Uh, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're, we're continuing and completing our Lenten series, uh, Character and Calling, which each week, instead of thinking of giving up something for Lent, as is so often the case uh, for Christians, we're reflecting on what we might take up, what new spiritual practices we might take up um, together as a community in our journey to the cross and empty tomb. And today's one, like last week, is a difficult one to, to reflect on and to uh, be honest with ourselves about, uh, and that is the trait of humility. And to do this, we will look at um, some words from Paul in his letter to the Philippians, and this really is Paul's Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, and Ascension text all rolled into one. So um, there, it's, a, it's a very loaded few verses that we'll get here. So I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the second chapter of Philippians, beginning with the fifth verse. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord." to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, it's not just the beginning of Holy Week, but the past week has been a big, wonderful week in the world of sports. The college basketball championships, opening base, a day for baseball, um, the playoff hunt in, in uh, basketball and hockey, and of course, my favorite, the Masters Golf Tournament. So needless to say, I've been in front of the TV a good bit this week. <laughs> Earlier in the week, I saw an interview with a pro golfer and current leader of the Masters Tournament named Scotty Scheffler, who not only has a wonderful name for a pro athlete, but has been red hot, winning three tournaments in the past six weeks and just recently became the world's number one ranked golfer. He shared in the interview that he, um, as he began the week, he was really trying to focus and remain humble despite his um, recent success and fame. Well, from experience, I can tell you that golf has a way of humbling everyone at some point. But Scotty was able to get a little bit of a hand in this process. And this happened before he even picked up a club at Augusta. When he pulled up to the clubhouse, the attendant who, who greeted him and welcomed him to down Magnolia Lane thought that Scheffler was his friend and fellow tour player Xander Shoffley and greeted him by the wrong name. Scotty reflected that after a quick laugh, he immediately felt grounded, humbled, and ready for the week ahead. Finding a humble mindset and grounding oneself is on Paul's mind as he writes to the Philippians in today's lesson. As we discussed a couple weeks back, Paul writes to his friends in Philippi from prison, 
and he seeks to give them guidance from afar. He cares deeply about these, about these folks, about this Christian community that he's far away and separated from. He prays that they have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus. And then he appeals to them using familiar words. The rest of the reading from then on is what's known as the Christ hymn, believed to be probably the oldest thing in the entire New Testament. These words, uh, written likely not by Paul, but, but as a hymn that, that uh, the early church used, um, show the mind of Christ, the very posture of Christ's humility. Though he was in the form of God, of the same essence of being of God, he humbled himself to the point of obedience to God's will. Even the horrific, brutal death on a cross. A form of capital punishment reserved only for those deemed to be political threats to the Roman Empire. Why do you think Paul is so concerned about instilling a sense of humility to the Philippians? Well, Philippi was a city of great wealth with a strong Roman influence, so much so that it was called Little Rome. Christians there would have faced immense pressure not only to, emperor, to worship the emperor, but also to live according to the Roman ideals of individualism, cutthroat competition, and the prominence of one's status. Paul tries to show them a different way. The way of Christ, a way that is self-giving instead of self-serving. Instead of puffing oneself up, the way of the cross calls us to pour ourselves out in love for others. See, Paul is trying to instill a different way for them to be in the world, a way that is at odds with the culture that they know, and often a way that puts one in conflict with the world around it. We certainly know that this self-giving way of the cross is at odds with the world in which we live today, that is all about self-promotion and cutthroat competition. So in instilling this different way of being in the world, Paul seems to be trying to bring them all together as well, saying, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Now, people often misunderstand these words to mean that Paul wants uniformity, that everyone is supposed to be the same, think the same, but this is not at all what Paul is talking about. He knows full well that he's addressing a diverse group of new Christians in Philippi. It's not about them agreeing on everything all the time, but rather together to seek the mind of Christ, the way of Christ together, a way that seeks humble obedience to God's will. This humble mindset of Christ is the way to bring them all together. I imagine Paul's letter was read to the Philippians as they gathered for worship, since many were illiterate, and as the church leader gets to these beloved, familiar words of the Christ hymn, the community joins in and says or even sings them together just as we did with our first hymn this morning. These words which predate Paul's ministry are able to remind us of Christ's mindset, his mindset of humility, and seek that we might seek to embody that ourselves together in our own faith journeys. Now, like the same mind thing, this idea of humility is also often misunderstood. 
Humility does not mean having a low self-esteem or lacking self-confidence. Methodist pastor Magri de Vega, whose writing inspired this series, reminded me that the word humility actually comes from the Latin word humus, which literally means dirt. He takes the word humility to instead be all about being grounded, about getting our hands dirty at the ground level. It's about seeing ourselves as connected to one another and really with all of creation. I love the, the pastor's study here at the church, my, my office. Um, it's a big, nice, comfortable office as all my books, my diplomas, my robe sits in there and so on. But my favorite thing about it is that it's situated slightly below ground, quite literally grounding me in the work of ministry. Now, also grounding about my office that, that makes it my, probably my favorite thing about it is knowing that the space was originally the horse stables for the congregation. This, this memory and this, this, this idea in my head of, of knowing what the space used to be grounds me and sees the work I do as your pastor as intricately connected to the work of our ministry as a congregation, as well as the needs, hopes, and dreams of our whole community as I look out my window onto Main Street of our town. De Vega goes on to say that this grounded, earthy humility is really a gift. It's a gift of seeing yourself the way God sees you, he says, and seeing yourself as part of an interconnected dependence on the lives of people with you and around you. I really like that. Humility is a gift that we get to see ourselves the way God sees us. So what does all this humility talk have to do with Palm Sunday, you might be thinking? Well, Palm Sunday really is a story about humility. We tend to think of it as a high, pompous day with pageantry, parade, and glory. But remember, Jesus processes in on a baby donkey. Think about that for a moment. It's actually kind of a funny picture to imagine a grown man riding a baby donkey. Plus, scholars like Marcus Borg and John Dominic Croson tell us to compare Jesus' entrance with that of the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, who was also likely arriving in Jerusalem around this time. He needed to be present to oversee the city during Passover to ensure that there was not an uprising against the empire. Imagine as Pilate arrives on his war horse, Jesus arrives on a baby donkey. Pilate processes through a gauntlet of swords while Jesus is waved by waving palm branches and cloaks spread out for him. To Pilate, power and authority are gained through force and might, while Jesus' entrance shows that power and authority can only truly be gained through humble obedience to God's will. Palm Sunday, in this way, friends, is a grounding story. It's, it's a story of humility. Jesus connects to each of us and all of creation in this act of arriving in Jerusalem and shows us the way of humble obedience to God's will. Now, I'd like to close with what I believe is a very fitting story. And full disclosure, I shared this story on Palm Sunday several years ago, but I mean, who remembers anything before the pandemic, right? 
So the first church I served after seminary was a very large congregation in Indianapolis where I served as a resident pastor for a two-year term. This church did everything big and bold. Palm Sunday was no exception. Every year, children waved palms, processing in just like we did this morning, and they were accompanied by a large brass ensemble who joined the organ and choir and playing all glory, laud, and honor. And most importantly, there was a donkey. A donkey led this processional every year, and it was tradition that one of the resident pastors would lead that donkey. <laughs> well, I was stubborn, and I refused to do it. I thought that the church just wanted to show off the new residents like we were cute, worshipy decorations. I thought that taking on such a task might minimize my pastoral authority, and as many of you know, I am a bit of a germaphobe too. So I nonchalantly passed up the honor of leading the donkey. My colleague, who is much more gracious and humble than I, willingly stepped forward to continue this tradition. I learned something interesting about this donkey uh, that day. He was named after the former pastor, Bill Enright, who is highly revered not just by the congregation, but is considered one of the most respected pastors in our denomination. The man doubled the size of the church during his tenure and had a very serious yet also pastoral sensibility about him and was thus beloved as their longtime pastor. Now, the donkey earned his name, Enright, when a few years back, while being led toward the sanctuary to join in that great traditional procession, was being led through a hallway where the portraits of the former pastors stood. When the donkey got to this gentleman's portrait, he stopped and, well, let's say he did his business. <laughs> the name stuck. I also learned that day that the much-beloved and much-respected pastor loved the story and considers the name a term of endearment. I don't know why, but my guess is that this beloved pastor gets what the story of Palm Sunday is all about. That power and authority come not through fear, not through force, but through humility, sacrifice, and obedience to God. This pastor whose legacy will live on for generations, his name will also be associated with this also beloved, but lowly, dirty, smelly donkey. This is the kind of grounded, earthy humility and obedience that Palm Sunday is about. Jesus entering the holy city of Jerusalem turns our understanding of power and authority upside down. As followers of Christ, we are called to live lives of grounded humility and obedience, following our Lord to the foot of the cross and onward to the empty tomb. As we journey through Holy Week together, let us reflect on the ways that we can live more humbly and obediently to God, subverting the way of our world's understanding of power and authority. And through our lives of humility and obedience, may we also see ourselves as grounded and intricately connected to one another. May we witness to the coming of our Lord's kingdom, where pain and death and oppression will reign no more, and all will be one in Christ Jesus, the one who once processed into Jerusalem on that lowly baby donkey. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. <laughs>